What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. Today, we are going to have some World Economic Forum fuckery updates. We are also going to talk about how the U.S. government, in conjunction with Harvard and MIT, experimented on disabled children with radioactive oatmeal. No shit. Fucking fact. Look it up. We are also going to talk about a story. It's kind of old. Basically, it's a guy from Arizona, and he filmed a huge solid UFO called the Phoenix Lights. A couple weeks later, Man in Black appeared, took the video, and then he vanished. So yeah, that should be a fun story. So sit back and get ready for this. I've talked about the different experiments our lovely government has perpetrated against its citizens multiple times. I talked about Operation Sea Spray, the Tuskegee experiments, all that fun shit. But this one is especially sinister. A man named Scott Allen, who was a journalist at the Boston Globe, was the one that blew the whole story open. So I got to give 100% credit to Scott Allen. I'm just using his research and his work. I'm doing that because I want everyone to understand how nefarious our fucking government is. They've been experimenting on us for decades. And if you think for a fucking second, these Kabobo shots are not an extension of more government experimentation, then you're out of your goddamn mind. So December 1993, Scott Allen uncovered documents showing years of ethically dubious experiments conducted on the children of Fernald's Center. The day after Christmas, he published an article entitled Radiation Used on Retarded. Now, just a side note, retarded is a medical term, and it just kind of like over the decades got turned into an insult. But retarded is a medical definition. It's a real word. It's not fucking just an insult. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> Scott noted that, quote, records at the Fernald State School list them as, quote, morons. But the researchers from MIT and Harvard University called the retarded teenage boys who took part in their radiation experiments, quote, the Fernald Science Club. Oh, glad to see they got a fucking sense of humor about poisoning children. Now, a lot of the children at the Fernald State School were quote-unquote, developmentally disabled. The school was located in Waltham, Massachusetts, and they were subjected to radioactive nutrition experiments sponsored by the AEC, conducted by Harvard University and MIT researchers. These kids, you guys know shit, they were fed Quaker Oats breakfast cereal containing radioactive tracers to test the absorption of plant minerals and calcium. And of course, their parents were never informed that radioactive elements were involved in the tests. Now, this next part is a quote from the MIT biochemist Robert S. Harris. And he said, quote, In the name of science, members of the club would eat cereal mixed with radioactive milk for breakfast or digest a series of iron supplements that gave them the radiation equivalent of at least 50 chest X-rays. From 1946 to 1947, scores of retarded teenagers consumed radioactive food to help the researchers better understand the human digestive process. He went on to say, There is absolutely no ground for caution regarding the quantities of radioactive substances which we would use in our experiments. Like, what the actual fuck are these psychopath scientists thinking? Ugh. 
I, I don't know. I keep telling the, I keep saying that these motherfuckers need a straight jacket and a shot collar. And then when I read shit like this, it makes me believe that statement even more. Robert S. Harris had assured Fernald's superintendent that the research in December 1945 was safe. Some of the consent forms sent home to parents or guardians do not even mention the radiation. He goes on to say, based on figures and unpublished report on the project, the children's spleens were exposed to between 544 and 1,024 millirems of radiation over the course of seven meals. Now let's compare that to the typical American who receives about 300 millirems of radiation from natural sources each year, not in fucking seven days, each year. So these poor fucking kids were getting hugely dosed with this shit over seven days. The experiments at the Fernald School, which almost certainly would not be permitted today, are one of the darker corners of Massachusetts' atomic legacy. Along with pioneering the field of nuclear medicine, some of the state's leading academic institutions and hospitals also subjected the terminally ill, the elderly, and others to radiation doses that are considered unsafe today, often with no possible benefit to the test subjects. I know we like to fucking talk shit about the Nazi death camps where these doctors and scientists were experimenting on people. But I mean, are these people, these Americans, these scientists from Harvard and fucking MIT, are they any better than fucking the angel of death, Dr. Joseph Mengele? I don't think so. And these motherfuckers were never held accountable for what they did to children and the elderly and many other people. Scott Allen does point out that, though never secret, researchers published the results of the Fernald studies in scholarly journals. Details of the research for effort, funded partly by Quaker Oats Company and the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission. And these reports have all sat in a box in the Fernald School Library until he found them. According to David Rush of Tufts University's Human Nutrition Research Center, he said, quote, it's very important that the public begin to see that secrecy at the bottom is what lets this happen. He called the Fernald experiments, quote, something of which American medicine should be ashamed. Well, Mr. Rush, I got a fucking whole ass list of shit that the American Medical Association should be ashamed of. According to Constantine Maletsko, who was a former MIT researcher who studied how teenagers at Fernald metabolized radioactive calcium, he defended the experiments, saying they yielded important information about nutrition. He went on to say, quote, I feel just as good about it today as I did the day I did it. Attitude of the scientists was we're going to do this in the best possible way. They were going to get the minimum radiation they could possibly get and have the experiment work. Get the fuck out of here, you psychopath. Jacob Shapiro, a director of radiation protection at Harvard University, declined to say whether the experiments were dangerous, but he did state, quote, I would ask a colleague of mine, would you let your child get that dose? And of fucking course they want it. But these psychopaths are just literally, that's exactly what they are. They're psychopaths and sociopaths. After Scott Allen's article, the federal government decided to launch an investigation into the matter. Of course, the New York Times put their fucking ridiculous opinions in it. Gina Colada of the New York Times wrote an article called Quote, in debate on radiation tests, rush to judgment is resisted. And she took a far more sympathetic view to the researchers than anybody in the right fucking mind should have. 
But as we all know, the New York Times is basically just the propaganda wing for the CIA. She actually credited development of the controversial hepatitis B vaccine, in which she quotes Dr. Victor Bond, who is a medical physicist and doctor at Brookhaven National Laboratory, who defended the Fernald experiments by arguing that, quote, a question arose as to whether chemicals in breakfast cereals interfered with the uptake of iron or calcium in children. An answer was needed. One obvious way to do the study, he said, would be to use radioactively tagged trace amounts of iron and calcium and to follow the fates of these minerals in the body when children ate cereal. Get the fuck out of here. Gina Colada, this this woman, this is not from the fucking 30s and 40s. This bitch who worked at the New York Times was working there in 1994 because that's when she published this shit trying to be an apologist for literal fucking Nazi experiment doctors in America. Scientists who defend radiation and other ethically dubious human experiments on persons who are incapable of refusing do so from an elitist position of superiority. They continue to the harbor the eugenic ideology which regards human beings not of their class as a means to an end. Colada said, quote, in reference to the entire series of Cold War nuclear experiments, Bond offered that, quote, of course it's useful information. It's useful to know what dose of radiation sterilizes. It's useful to know what different doses of radiation will do to human beings. These megalomaniacs wouldn't want to fucking experiment on their own children. Just some fucking morons or retarded teenagers or orphans. One of the test subjects named Charles Dyer said, quote, they told me I shouldn't have kids and I shouldn't get married. They said I might have a defect, that I had something wrong with me. They said, quote, you aren't stabilized and you shouldn't have kids because of what you have. He goes on to say he didn't know what he had. Nobody ever told him. He thought he was like everyone else, but he was only a kid. Of course, he had no interest in getting married. He was 14 years old for fuck's sake. He says, to tell the truth, I just wanted out of there. So... I just don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't think this kind of shit is common knowledge because people don't ever fucking take three seconds to read or look into shit. But it makes me wonder if this shit was common knowledge, if the NPCs knew how many times in history our government has decided to experiment on us, do you think they would have been so quick to fucking give their arm for the fucking Kabobo shot? I don't think so. While we're on the subject of government experiments and the Kabobo shots, the FDA advisory panel and the CDC director are totally complicit in sacrificing children's lives to protect Pfizer from liability. Now, I'm sure you guys remember back in October, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices met and voted unanimously to add the experimental COVID jab to the list of CDC-recommended vaccines for children. The problem is... The ACIP, which is the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, panel did so in the absence of any data to support a medical justification for the exposure of children to the documented hazards of these injections. The ACIP panel cast their vote without having examined any safety data. None. Not one piece of fucking data. They disregarded thousands of public comments in opposition because of the serious risks for children. These motherfuckers failed entirely to consider the life-shortening health risks that millions of children would be exposed to. And now, now the fucking CDC and FDA decide they're going to look into the Kabobo shot and see if it's actually causing strokes. 
Well, no shit, it's causing strokes, motherfucker. And you are all responsible for forcing this on this population. You guys have many deaths on your hands. Moving on from the Kabobo. Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I just want to remind everyone that the FBI stalked, harassed, and threatened him. And the man who was found guilty of his assassination claimed from the beginning that our federal government was involved. The King family never believed the official storyline. I think in the quote-unquote conspiracy world, we already know all this shit, but Candace Owens, who like I don't have an opinion about one way or another, is the one that wrote what I just read to you because she summarized it extremely well. So I thought I would read that to you all. And never forget, Jesse Jackson appears to have been one of the integrated covert assassination team that also included U.S. Army sharpshooters, the CIA, FBI, the Memphis police that assassinated MLK on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel. Jesse Jackson's principal role in the MLK assassination were summed up with, quote, orders from the FBI to the Dixie Mafia chief resulted in Jesse Jackson going to the Lorraine Motel manager to change Dr. King's room 306 on Lorraine balcony. So it's just like with Malcolm X, who was fucking infiltrated by the FBI and fucking taken out because they were seen as dangerous. So yeah, gotta love the FBI and CIA, dirty motherfuckers. While we're on the subject of the corrupt-ass FBI, after years of denials, the FBI has finally admitted that Seth Rich is directly linked to the, quote, hack of the Democratic National Committee email servers in 2016. You know, the emails that gave us Pizzagate. Now, this is all from a FOIA document. Check this out. As indicated in the motion to clarify, the existence of Seth Rich's work laptop has been known to Mr. Huddleston for some time, and Mr. Huddleston fully expected the laptop, like almost any other laptop, to contain information of some kind. The real surprises were as follows, quote, After years of denial, the FBI has finally admitted Seth Rich is directly linked to the hack of the DNC. The FBI has been in possession of a report about Seth Rich's work laptop for nearly five years, yet purportedly did not discover that report until after Mr. Huddleston filed his motion to clarify. The FBI had yet another technique, hiding records from the FOIA requests. It's like a legal document, it goes on, but it's just exactly like us crazy conspiracy theorists have been saying since day one. Seth Rich was murdered and it was covered up by the FBI. They need to release that laptop so the world can know what was happening, that our FBI is so rotten to the core that it needs to be burnt down. I don't think anything else could actually fix it at this point. And I know there are decent FBI agents, but the problem is it's rotten from the top down. These motherfuckers are bought off or they've been blackmailed because some asshole has pictures of them fucking children. You know, just the typical bullshit. The FBI has been playing dirty with American citizens for decades. It's now time to move on to the latest Klaus Schwab and world economic fuckery. Check this shit out, guys. Klaus Schwab banned vaccinated pilots from flying elites to Davos due to safety risks. No fucking shit. You can 100% bet on this regarding the World Economic Forum elites. One, none of them will ever die unexpectedly. None of them are vaccinated. There are still many private pilots that are unvaccinated since they weren't mandated to get it. 
like their private counterparts, pilots who worked for a major airline were mandated to get them. There have been many unexpected pilot deaths since then, and pilot shortages are having a huge impact, contributing to the large number of delays airlines are experiencing on a daily basis. Now check this out. According to pilot Alan Dana, unvaccinated pilots are receiving requests from the World Economic Forum elites to fly them to Davos. Although World Economic Forum want the masses to get as many vaccines as possible and boosters, they're scared of their pilots having the shot. So according to Josh Yoder, the head of the U.S. Freedom Flyers, an anti-vaccine mandate group of pilots, he told pilot Alan Dana that he has received inquiries from Davos elites interested in hiring unvaccinated pilots to fly their business trips. He said, quote, he's getting calls from wealthy businessmen and companies to fly their executives around on business jets with an unvaccinated crew. Dana said that this week on Maria Z Uncensored. He went on to say, quote, these wealthy businessmen are requiring unvaccinated crew on their business trips. Passengers on an airline who bought a ticket don't have that luxury. Well, like, no shit, of course they don't, because it's rules for Z, but not for me. You better eat Z bugs and get the booster. So and I don't know if you guys heard, but somehow Klaus Schwab was able to get security of 5000 Swiss Army troops to protect these motherfuckers in Davos. Like, who's paying for that? Do the Swiss have to pay for that shit? Or how, how does that work? And why does he think he needs 5,000 military members to protect these psychopaths? I could think of a few reasons. Hmm. <laughs> so now it's change of subject time. We are going to go back to the night of March 13th, 1997. And the people of the U.S. witnessed one of the largest and best-known UFO sightings in history. Like, this was fucking big shit here, you guys. Like, I remember it, and I was a teenager at this point. The UAP phenomena was observed in skies over the southwestern states of Arizona and Nevada, and even the Mexican state of Sonora. According to a Rocky Mountain poll conducted at the time, as well as a commotion that ensued, Around 10% of Arizonans claim to have seen and witnessed the incident that is now known as the Phoenix Lights. Look it up. There's hella videos out there. So you kind of get an idea of how big this object is. It's fucking massive. And just a little side note, I'm getting this information from 24leak.com. Now, one of the witnesses named Richard Curtis, who was from Arizona, claimed to have solid evidence of the incident, contacted local councilwoman Frances Barwood. He actually vanished following an encounter with MIBs, which is Men in Black, and a media revelation. The city councilwoman, Frances Barwood, opened an investigation into the incident. Since the military and local authorities had already managed to claim that the lights seen by witnesses were just flares, her co-workers thought she was fucking bonkers. Now this is kind of a, how this whole thing goes. Barwood received a call from Richard Curtis a few months after her investigation. He said right away that he had extremely detailed footage of the Phoenix Lights despite being an injured former soldier. He claimed that he had personally captured them using high-quality equipment. He said, quote, You could see the shape. He said you could see how big it was in comparison to the surrounding buildings and everything. He described that the lights were gaseous. He was also so excited that he'd gotten all this on video. Barwood recalled him telling her this. Additionally, Curtis admitted to Barwood that he had no idea who else to call and that he trusted her. At this point, 
the majority of the video footage of the Phoenix Lights was like basically little specks in the night and really shitty quality because, you know, fuck, who's expecting something like this to happen and having their bomb-ass Nikon around at the time? So Curtis agreed to provide copies of the footage to Barwood's office after she urged him to do so. However, days passed and she did not receive films either by mail or courier. And she basically at this point kind of thought he'd made it up, that he didn't have a video at all. You know, just a big old fucking hoax type thing. A week later, Curtis telephoned Barwood at her house and inquired about her thoughts on the films. Barwood informed him that she had not even received them and expressed her amazement. Curtis continued by telling her that following their phone call, two men from her workplace had stopped by his home. The two, quote, similar looking individuals were fully covered in black, three piece suits, black shoes, black hats, black suitcases. The men were not dressed in jackets or other gear, even though it was fairly chilly outside. And this is kind of what struck Curtis as weird. He asked the men if they were from Barwood's office and they confirmed it. They inquired about the Phoenix Light videos, specifically to find out if Curtis had copied them. They responded that they would make the copies for him themselves after he had said he was not able to make the copies. Curtis then handed them his videos and the two men left his house in a black sedan. Barwood informed Curtis that she had no men in her office and that all of her staff were female. She said, quote, I had no idea who these guys were. It sounds so bizarre. Nothing made sense to me. Barwood recalled thinking all of this infuriated Richard Curtis, who concluded that the authorities had misled him. In an interview with Phoenix TV, he discussed everything that had happened, including the Men in Black visit, and that they had stolen his videos. Shortly after that, Barwood tried to call Curtis, and she discovered he wasn't answering. She decided to go to his house and check it out. When she got to the apartment, he was not there. But the neighbors informed her that Curtis had supposedly taken a faulty medication and had been transported by ambulance to the hospital. Now check this out. There were no records of Curtis ever being admitted to any Phoenix area hospitals when Barwood started looking for him. Now this story gets even more sinister. Barwood made the decision to have her phone lines checked by a professional when she questioned how the odd man even knew about the tapes. The professional visited her house and conducted his tests there. After he did the tests, he went outdoors. And Barwood states, quote, he wouldn't come back in the house. He came to the back door and said, no, I'm not coming in. Yes, your phone is tapped. It's a government tap, he said. Now, since the military and authorities insisted that the Phoenix lights were nothing more than flares, Barwood was astounded to learn that someone in the U.S. government had tapped her phone. And Richard Curtis, at this point, is completely vanished without a trace. And it became a worldwide sensation throughout the course of the subsequent months. It was, quote, the second biggest case in ufology after Roswell, according to the late Art Bell, who hosted a syndicated paranormal radio program called Coast to Coast AM, Check it out, you guys. That shit's still up on the internet. He has some very interesting episodes. What I'm going to do is leave a link to this website because they actually have a transcript from Fox 10 News of the whole Curtis interview. It's extremely interesting and definitely worth the read. So look in the show notes and you'll be able to find that link. We are going to move back in time now to 1918 and the Spanish flu. Contrary to popular belief, the Spanish flu did not start in Spain. It started in the United States. And it wasn't even a virus. It was a fucking pneumonia bacteria. 
first half of 1918, they decided to do an experimental meningitis vax, and it was given to soldiers getting ready to be deployed overseas for World War I. Now, this shit was cultured in horses, and the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research were the psychopaths in charge of the entire program. Now, just a little side note, the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research then became the Rockefeller University. At Fort Riley, this vaccine was injected into the soldiers. Two million of these soldiers then went overseas to fight. Now, check it out. If you guys don't know much about World War I, it was fucking dirty. It was unsanitary. They were living in trenches, in water, in terrible conditions. So, the bacteria spread like wildfire. It ripped through the ranks and followed the soldiers wherever they went. And then at that point would infect other people. Back in the USA, the government had convinced the public that when the U.S. soldiers came back from the war, they would be infecting the U.S. population with all kinds of different viruses and bacteria, which then convinced the general population back here in the States to also get vaccinated. Many, many Americans went out and got the same vax. And, of course, the Rockefeller Institute was in charge of the vaccine cam campaign. Now, this next part, I'm sure it's just a big old coinkydink, but a man named Frederick Gates was the main scientist in charge of the vaccine campaign. Now, check this out, you guys. If you look it up on Snopes or Reuters or the AP, they're going to tell you this is fake and it's all a big lie. But if you actually read the fact check, what they're saying is fake or not real, that it was an influenza vaccine. And we're not claiming it was an influenza vaccine, fact checkers. We're saying it's a meningitis vaccine. So that's how they were able to fact check a lot of people posting about this a couple of years ago. They also nitpicked on the point that there was no evidence that Frederick Gates is the great grandfather of Bill Gates. And the evidence they used was, stay, was to say that Bill Gates never said this guy was his great-grandfather, so it must not be true. You know how it fucking works. These motherfuckers just don't want word to get out. They don't want anything getting to the NPCs that could disrupt their money flow. But back to this fucking nightmare Spanish flu. After all the vaccine campaigns, the vaccinated people started shedding bacteria associated with the vaccine, and they infected countless others. Shocking, right? I know. I mean, it kind of sounds so, sort of similar to what's happening today, right? I don't know. I just find it kind of crazy that when you look into history, like a little bit deeper than the mainstream media were ever to tell you about, it seems to always be the same fucking players involved decade after decade. And it seems to be a legacy thing. Their great grandfather was fucking experimenting on people. Let's do it in modern times with Bill Gates and his fucking vaccine propaganda. I mean, come on, what the fuck? I just really wish people would pay attention a little bit more and read a little deeper besides the headlines that are usually just clickbait. I don't know. I wouldn't fucking hold my breath that the NPCs will ever do anything like that. You guys know I don't like to leave the podcast on some fucking depressing ass note. So I'm going to tell you guys about the new government food pyramid that these fools paid millions of dollars for. And I'm sure the fucking... Nabisco and other fucking cereal and junk food corporations paid off these scientists because according to the new pyramid, these fucking psychopaths are saying Lucky Charms is more healthy than eggs. 
Number three on like the health list, they're saying frosted mini wheats is more healthy than a date or a sweet potato or a skinless chicken breast for fuck's sake. I mean, is anybody anywhere taking anything these fools say seriously anymore? Because just get the fuck out of here. Frosted mini wheats and lucky charms. That shit is straight up processed garbage. I can't believe it's on a food pyramid anywhere. It's just, it's fucking hilarious. I'm just like, are you guys seriously wanting people to buy their bullshit? It's just ridiculous at this point. But yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny. And I thought you guys might think it's funny too. And in other good news, Nancy Pelosi just disclosed losses of $853,000 on PayPal stock, $733,000 on Salesforce options, $500,000 on Tesla stock, and $235,000 on Roblox options. Poor, poor Nancy and her husband. So now they're just going to have like $60 million instead of what, fucking $61 million? Corrupt ass bitch. We've come to the part of the episode where I have to thank my top downloaders. In the United States, we have California, Colorado, and Texas. That's what's up, you guys. I appreciate the downloads, and especially from you uh, drowned-ass motherfuckers in California. I know it's getting wet. It's getting fucking crazy out here. I think we just, like, washed away fucking decade of drought in, what, three weeks? It's getting pretty hairy, so all you Californians out there, be fucking safe. Now, moving on to our international peeps. We have Canada, the UK, Australia, and Norway. That is what up, guys. Thank you so much, and I appreciate it. If you want any of the documents I talk about or you have some crazy rabbit hole I need to go down, you could email me at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com, and I would be happy to send that shit to you or take a look at your rabbit hole. I'm always looking for new rabbit holes to explore. In the meantime, be aware, and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.